0: Job's not privy to the conversation between you know the, the sons of God, the Satan who comes and you know has a conversation about him. He never gets to know about that. That's never even explained to him by God when God comes in and in a sense corrects job. And so it's it's not always possible to know what is the reason I'm suffering. But it is sometimes helpful to say, well, why do humans experience it? That, that, that can bring about some comfort in conversation. So I like I'm I'm right. proposing faithfulness, sinfulness, brokenness as big categories for why yeah. people suffer. And not, not just Christians, all people suffer to some degree in some of these categories. Hello
1: and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host John Mark Grodi here at the Coming Home Network International and we're bringing to you another discussion about this, our daily task of growing an imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks again for being here. I'm joined again this week by my good friend and colleague Kenny Burchard. Kenny, how are you doing this week?
0: I'm doing great, sir. How are you? Great Very to see good, you. good, brother. Yeah, likewise,
1: <laughs> likewise. Glad to be doing this again. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been having this great discussion on the cruciform uh, shape of discipleship. Uh, yes. We're, what, five, five episodes in now, something like that?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think we'll bring it in for a landing today, at least for now, right?
1: Exciting. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So what's yeah. our, last week we talked about, let's say we expanded the circle. Now that was the yeah. week before that. We, we expanded the circle beyond the family to relationships in general. And then we yeah. talked about- what did we talk about? Well, last
0: last, last time we we really talked about the um, really the issue of how we uh, experience temptation and mm. a lot of different you know realms of temptation and how the cross is there for us to work through temptation. And today's topic is related. It's not exactly the same. I think these. Overlap, but I don't think they yep. work exactly the, the same way, and that's the theme of suffering, the cross, right. and suffering, and how that really intersects with discipleship, being a follower of Jesus. So yep. we have to talk about this because I think as disciples, you know, um, you know, we said in the very first episode, there's a cross for everything. If you're a disciple, and the cross is the way to follow Jesus then I need to be able to locate the cross for whatever I'm dealing with. And sometimes it's a specific thing, you know, like marriage or parenting or something like that. Sometimes it's inside of a category with lots of possibilities like temptation and today like suffering. And each person is going to be able to, you know, close their eyes when they hear the word suffering and imagine something really specific, probably about their own life or somebody close to them, and that may be very different from the next person. But there's still a cross for suffering as it um, as it connects to Christian discipleship.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it would seem to me that one aspect of this topic, one area of overlap and then not overlap with the other topics, is that in some cases the suffering we experience we can sort of see its cause right in some of the things we've talked about before this we can see the cause we can see in our own sinfulness how mm-hmm. that causes us suffering we can see how seeing another person's brokenness how that you know causes reaction and how it blows back on us and that causes suffering we can mm-hmm. sometimes we can kind of see it and make sense of it but then part of what the christian mystery presents us with too is that that pi- we're only seeing a tiny bit of that picture and a lot of times in life, yes, we experience suffering that we can't yet make sense of. And we have the book of Job, yeah. which presents us with the story of a man who he can't see why he's being made or allowed to suffer. And oftentimes exactly. that is what we experience. And we're not always ready for it because we're, we're ready for the suffering that makes sense to us right now. We're not always ready for the suffering that, that doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I used to tell people when we, when we would talk about Job, um, people would bring up Job and they would say, why, you know, with their own suffering, why, why, why? And, um, and that's really the question that, that Job has in the book of Job. Um, why, why is it happening? Of course, all of his friends have the answer and it's the wrong one. Um, but I used to say, well, we don't really want to know why though, do we? I mean, Job didn't Want to know why? What did he really want? He wanted it to stop, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, and 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 it wasn't stopping. It was getting worse, and um, and sometimes that's how suffering goes. And th- you know, the question of why is there? Um, it's it's kind of like saying "ouch" when you hit your thumb. You say "why" when you suffer, um, but but really, what you want is you want it to end. And I, and I think that's true for all suffering, regardless, uh, of the, you know, the origins of it. I think the origins of suffering is really a a good place to start this, um, discussion, if that's all right. Um, and I was, I was just looking today at kind of a, a flyover of scripture. And, you know, the, the word suffering, depending on the English Bible you might be reading is mentioned in 36 books of the Bible, Uh, that's half of the 72 books of the Bible, have suffering mentioned in them. So in that sense, you could say suffering is a biblical mega-theme, and that's because it is central to the human experience, and God is working with us in the world. He's showing us how to live in the world, and one of the big things that everybody deals with in their human experience, including our Lord, is suffering. So the Bible has a lot to say about it uh, in both the Old and New Testament. In fact, the first book of the Bible that mentions suffering is the book of Exodus. Now, Genesis tells you why, but Exodus tells you, uh, in fact, it says, God heard the cry of his people and he sent Moses and he said, I've seen your affliction or your suffering. So even God is aware of the fact that humanity is experiencing suffering. Of course, the last book of the Bible, book of Revelation, is really focused on human suffering and God's uh, doing away with it forever. Really, that's the, the, one of the big goals of God's work in our lives and in the world that he's made, the good world that he's made, is to remove suffering from the world. But that's not yet, right? We're in, (laughs) we're presently in a world and in a faith, in our Catholic faith that, that recognizes the reality and in fact accepts the reality of suffering. Um, just as an aside here, a couple more introductory thoughts. You know, I wasn't always Catholic, John Mark. As you know, I'm, a, I'm a convert. I come from the Pentecostal and charismatic expressions of, of Protestantism and from the groups that, um, Kind of gave birth to um, Pentecostalism and and charismatic Christianity. Out of those groups, as a theology, there's a theology that says we're not supposed to suffer. Suffering is bad. If you're suffering, it's always because you did something wrong. The goal is to get all the suffering out of your life, um, and never suffer and pray against suffering and all these kinds of things. They're really, the really the only theology that we had for suffering was that. Um, we need to try to get rid of it now. As Catholics, that isn't always how we think about it. It's not that we're, um, we're, you know, we're masochists about suffering, but there is a sense as Catholics in which we embrace the reality and sometimes even the need to experience suffering as part of our faith. I'm, and for you, I don't know what that's been like for you in terms of the theme of suffering. You've been Catholic longer than I have.
1: Yeah, in in you know in my experience. Growing up mostly as a cradle Catholic, you know, uh, as a child of converts who were experiencing and learning all this stuff in the Catholic Church, um, I I definitely grew up learning more kind of the Catholic picture of suffering, you know, the the theology of suffering. But it's been interesting too, uh, hearing stories like yours throughout my life from different different backgrounds, and seeing how you know so many of them, most of them, all of them have certainly a kernel of truth. There. there is a sense in which that theology is getting at a piece of the truth that in some way mm-hmm. all of our suffering is connected to original sin. It's connected to the fact yes. that we are not who we should be. We're not back in perfect communion with God. And there is a sense in which as we grow in union with God, in one sense, suffering uh, changes because we we deal with it differently. But it's not as, it, it's not as simple as... As right, you know, like uh, the well, a bad thing happened to me. it's because of that bad thing I did last week. like it's not, it doesn't work like that. That's far too simplistic. right. And so yeah, the, right the the whole the the bigger picture of Catholicism embracing both the suffering that we can understand but also in the suffering that we can't, that it doesn't try to eliminate the mystery there. It recognizes that there's there's still there's a lot outside of our ability to discern the side of heaven
0: it's true it's really true you know so much work um has been done on this theme obviously across human history certainly in scripture and it's something because it is pervasive to and so much a normative part of the human experience it's something that we always talk about there's so much stuff on suffering Um, and there's a lot in the Bible. A lot of the great saints have written on suffering. We could name like St. John of the Cross being being one of them, that you know, the dark night of the soul, and and there's there's so much there. But what I'd like to do on the front end here, maybe, um, John Mark, is read a text that I think captures a lot of the big themes of suffering, and maybe unpack three big ideas about suffering that um connect to the cross and how to find the cross in those different types of suffering. So I said that sufferings mentioned in, if you're looking in English texts of the Bible, like for instance, I'm looking at the Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition, 36 of the 72 books of the Bible contain references to suffering. One book in the Bible, though, has a lot to say about suffering. In fact, more than any other book, and that's the book of 1 Peter, First Peter is the epistle of of suffering, if you will. There is so much information in First Peter about suffering, more than any other book of the Bible. Nineteen references to suffering. Um, The the next closest book to that that uses the word suffer, if you can imagine, is the Book of Psalms. You would think that was you know (laughs) littered with hundreds of uh, occurrences of the word suffer. Right. But no, First Peter talks about suffering more than any other. And this text here in 1 Peter chapter 4 might be a good place to start. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 19. i just read that and maybe pick out a few things, and and we can go from there and try to find the, a cruciform uh, approach to thinking about suffering. So Peter says in 1 Peter 4, beginning at verse 12, Beloved... And I like that first word, by the way. This is who you are. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, You are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Now here we go, um, verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or a wrongdoer, or a mischief-maker. Yet, if one suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but under that name, let him glorify God. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous man is scarcely saved, where will the impious and sinner appear? Final verse, verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will do right and entrust their souls to a faithful Creator. And just reading that little paragraph there in first Peter, there are basically two reasons given for suffering. Uh, one at the beginning, let's call it faithfulness. There's a kind of person who suffers because he's obeying God. He's suffering because he or she is faithful and because the, the, they are going cross grain with the way the world actually functions. They're being run over and smashed by the realities of what happens in the world that doesn't know love, honor, or care about God. And that's one kind of uh, suffering that happens. The second, though, is Peter says, but oh, for you, oh, for you, if you suffer because you've done something wrong, and he gives, you know, you're you're a mischief maker, you're a thief, you're a murderer. You're, in other words, you're bearing, you you are um, getting in trouble for what you've done. In a sense, you're you're experiencing suffering because of wrongdoing. So you have, let's say, let's call it faithfulness and sinfulness are two reasons for suffering. But there's a third one, and you mentioned it really in some of your introductory thoughts today, John Mark, and that's um, uh, at the beginning of the biblical story, after the fall of Adam and Eve, God says things like, thorns and thistles will grow because of what humans have done. Humans will engage in their work with toil and sweat. There's going to be physical pain in the bringing forth of children. Humans are going to Uh, ultimately return to the dust via a process of slow uh, deterioration. Their own bodies are going to experience the degradations of the world. And all of that fits under the category of brokenness. So, yeah, faithfulness, sinfulness, brokenness. Not everything might fit under one of those three categories, and it might not be so easy to figure out which one Uh, might be applicable. For instance, Job never got to know which one is it. His friends, of course, said it was number two. You're, you're a sinner, Job. That's gotta be it. Um, and, you know, we're, Job's not privy to the conversation between, you know, the, the sons of God, the Satan who comes and, you know, has a conversation about him. He never gets to know about that. That's never even explained to him by God when God comes and, and in a sense corrects Job. And so it's, it's not always possible to know what is the reason I'm suffering, but it is sometimes helpful to say, well, why do humans experience it? That, that, that can bring about some comfort and conversation. So I, like I'm, I'm right. proposing faithfulness, sinfulness, brokenness as big categories for why yeah. people suffer and not, not just Christians, all people suffer to some degree in some of these categories.
1: Yeah, this is a great passage, and I think those are helpful categories. This is one of those discussions um, that where you are kind of straddling the the speculative and the practical. You know, on the on the speculative side, you know, we're trying to understand in a small way a little bit of the mystery of suffering um, in order to go back to the practical and 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 bear suffering better. Uh, and so in one mm-hmm. sense there's there's these categories make sense to me right in one sense there are these three different categories in a, in a in a different sense still they all kind of come down into one in the sense that that suffering comes about because like we and the world are are broken and we're we're either moving exactly. our way back towards god or we're going the other direction
0: i think that brokenness actually is the is the meta category for everything um that really fits under that um and and so yeah i I would totally agree with you there especially as we look forward to the future envisioned in scripture where god removes suffering from the world and he does that by removing the things that have broken the world so right right yeah i think
1: that's right i think that we kind of have the meta the meta theme of the brokenness and then we have the two, maybe the two ways you respond to the brokenness, right? You either respond to the brokenness, turning to turning to more sin, creating more brokenness, and then experiencing more suffering as a result of it, or you you're pushing forward in faithfulness. In which case, you don't suddenly not experience suffering, but you, especially in light of the cross, you you see the you see the picture of where that suffering fits, and you also see the fruit that comes out of bearing the cross, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, I like what you said there. You know, when you, when you face the brokenness there, you have a choice. You either, you either perpetuate it or you, you move forward in faithfulness. And I think that that kind of gets to where, where we're headed in this conversation, in this larger series. And that is, okay, where's the cross in this? I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, I am suffering. Let's say I'm doing a checklist here, a little self-analysis. I'm a, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, the cross is the image that is shaping my sense of discipleship. I'm suffering. Okay, um, let's find the cross. Let's find the cross and find how to move through that suffering in a cross-shaped way, in a cruciform way, to be faithful to Jesus. And you know, I, I've been saying since I become a Catholic that the catechism of the Catholic Church is probably my favorite theology book. Some people might laugh at that, but it's true for me. I love it. Uh it is it is an incredible resource. And the catechism has a lot to say about suffering. It's relationship to the cross and discipleship. Let me read a couple of passages here that really connect to what we've talked about so far. I mean, they, they, in a sense, they tie everything together. Um, in paragraph 164 in the catechism, there's a discussion of faith. Okay. So faith is being discussed. Our, our faith in God, our faith in Christ, the faith that we have as, Catholics, and even the Catholic faith itself, as a a body of truth, if you will, is being discussed. But listen to this in paragraph 164. Even though enlightened by him in whom it believes, faith is often lived in darkness and can be put to the test. The world we live in often seems very far from the one promised us by faith. Our experience of evil and suffering and justice and death seem to contradict the good news. They can shake our faith and become a temptation against it. So now we're starting to turn the corner of the cross. Okay. I've got suffering and I've got faith. And these two theme things don't seem to belong together. How can I, how can I deal with the, the one? When it is, let's say, casting a dark shadow on the other. And this little paragraph is telegraphing something to us about the answer. The answer to a big question. What is the cruciform response to suffering? Whether it's because of faithfulness, sinfulness, or brokenness. Or if you want to put brokenness on the top, great. But what's the cruciform response to any form of suffering? Well, I think... We can sum it up in one word. I think we can, and I'll, I'll share a little Greek word here. Uh, it's, I'll spell it first, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis or pistis or pistuo. And it's the word faith, but not just faith as in, Oh, I believe this in my heart really strong, or I believe it in my head, or I have this cognitive slash emotional attachment to ideas. The, a bigger, we need a bigger way of thinking about this word. Uh, so other ways that pistis or pistio can be translated are faithfulness, fidelity, loyalty. Synonyms to these words are allegiance. Let's get an old English word in here. Fealty, solidarity. Well, why is that the word? I, and I'm proposing that it is the word and, and even the, the, that suffering and faith are set next to each other, one trying to conquer the other in in our life. This is the way that the Catechism almost sets them up that there's a tug of war between faith and suffering. So how must I respond then to suffering with faith? The answer is you know, in the discussion. Um, faith is actually the way through, any form of suffering that doesn't now having such an answer doesn't make it easy, but you some when you're going through so, something, you got to get your GPS. Like, where am I and what do I do? And when I'm suffering, if the answer is faith and that somehow connects to the cross, how can I exercise faith in this present experience of suffering?
1: Yeah. Well, this you know, seems to me totally in the right. The right, uh, the right groove here. That that faith is really the, the fundamental question here. Because suffering, is a f- the fundamental question of life. Right? You're going to suffer. You you know you're born into life. You experience suffering. Life is hard. And at your core, however you might formulate it consciously and in in your words and in your thoughts, everybody is having to answer the question of what do I do with the the turmoil of life, the difficulty of life, the pain that I experience, the suffering that I experience. And you're going to either break bad, <laughs> to use the, the the pop culture reference <laughs> yep, uh, nowadays, yep, yep. you're either going to respond to that by despairing, by getting angry at God, by trying to do it yourself, by trying to, to to take things into your own control. That's one way you're going to respond to suffering. So pride and despair, that's one direction. Or you're going to respond in faith which is mm-hmm. you're going to make a choice to say, I, I can't make perfect rational sense of this. I can't see the whole picture, but I'm going to choose to trust that, uh, that God is in control, that he has a plan, that somehow this is within his will and that he will mm-hmm. bring good out of it. Like you're going to go one mm-hmm. way or the other. And it, ultimately, as you said, it's not a matter of, of, of head knowledge or feelings. It's ultimately a matter of a choice of which direction, I'm going to respond to suffering.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting is, um, as the catechism, I I mentioned the catechism kind of sets up this point of tension between faith and suffering in paragraph 164. But listen to 165 then, paragraph 165, coming in and saying, almost saying, well, what do we do then? I mean, if this is a reality in our human lived experience that we're going to suffer, then what? What? What do I do? 165 says, it is then, this is at the moment of suffering, it is then we must turn to the witnesses of faith. In other words, we got to find somebody who did it, somebody who stayed faithful to God in the midst of their suffering or who turned out of faithfulness and into, or faithlessness and into faithfulness. And it says, uh, the, these are the witnesses of faith to Abraham, who in hope believed against hope, to the Virgin Mary, who in her pilgrimage of faith walked into the night of faith, in sharing the darkness of her son's suffering and death, and so many others. Therefore, it says now, quoting Hebrews, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which... Cling so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And you can see those three categories inside of um, that whole section. That brokenness is really there. It's what everybody experiences. And then uh, faithfulness. Like some of these people, like the Blessed Virgin Mary, are, are just doing saying yes to God, never changing their yes, no matter what they experience, And then others who uh, maybe weren't faithful at first and realizing that turn back to God. In any case, the response to whatever suffering was being brought about by any of those three big ideas, the response to all of it was, the right response was faith. And the catechism says, let's look to the people who did it the way it's supposed to be done. They're our example. And that's um, another thing, by the way, I just say about, I love about being a Catholic is that we do have the saints uh, whose lives we um, look to, who, who we venerate, who we uh, draw strength from their witness. They are the, in a sense, our forebearers in terms of how to um, be faithful, how to follow the Lord in the midst of suffering, so that's, that's, a, that's a starting place.
1: That's really beautiful, and you know, it also so it makes me think, as you said, of one of the great things about being Catholic, but also one of the great things about our particular little niche here in the Catholic world—the the Coming Home Network. We're all about yes. conversion stories. We're all about yes. sharing the stories of what God has done in our lives, and so we have the witness of the saints. We also have the witness of our fellow brothers and sisters who are still walking around. Um, And we we see the power when someone looks back at their life and says, okay, I can, we can't always see it in the moment, but looking back in our life, we can see, okay, well, there were all those times when I responded to the difficulty, to the suffering of life with nihilism or pride or despair or trying to avoid the cross or trying to to ameliorate the pain by self-indulgence. And I see the effects that that had. I see what that led to. And then I see those moments where in a, in a bit of a cloud, right, in that, that cloud of darkness, I chose to be faithful to God. I couldn't exactly see where it was going, but I chose faithfulness. And here's what came out of it. This conversion came out of it, this change of life, this, this new blossoming uh, of grace and of fruit in my life. It didn't mean that suffering was eliminated, but in the, even in the midst of suffering, I found something that was far more powerful. And so that's the power of conversion stories. That's the power of reading other yes. people's testimonies. So that's the, the power of yes. reading your own. I think sometimes we forget this, that again, in the midst oh, of suffering, you can't see this. But if you look back, you know, if you're journaling about a previous day or you're looking back in your life, that's where you're able to uncover this in your own life. Yeah, like what, what really happened all those times that I was faithless? And what really right. happened those times I was faithful, we begin to see the patterns in our own life of well, God is real, he is faithful, and and there's there's blessing and grace that comes when I'm when I'm faithful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Amen. It's one of the reasons I actually like to read the Psalms because uh, yeah. the Psalms uh kind of see how it show you how to live really in the in the tension between right. God's good promises and the realities of difficulty so you have for instance the psalmist saying uh oh god where are you god where are you god where are you i can't find you anywhere and then kind of shaking loose and turning the other way and saying well i'll just think about what you've done for me you know i'll I'll remember your works when you did this and i'll remember i can't think i can't see what you're doing now so i'm just going to think about what you've done uh, back here when you did this and when you did this and when you did this. And it's, it's a really good example really of keeping faith when yeah. you are, um, going through suffering. The way that, um, the way that the catechism ends in that, that paragraph chapter 160 or paragraph 165 with that quote from Hebrews is, and it gives us the saints, you know, look at in, in history. But then it says, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the one who, who who filled it up to the full, brought it to its fullest expression. And that probably can bring us around now to the, the big question, and that is, okay, let's get some cruciform, some cross-shaped responses to faith then. We've got the, the reality that suffering happens to people, brokenness, faithfulness, and sinfulness. We've got the fact that suffering is fighting against faith, trust, and 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 devotion to God, solidarity with God, fealty to God. Okay, how does the cross then pull those things together and resolve the, the tension between them? And again, I said, I think that the answer is faith, but the cross has to get us there. And so maybe we could look at the three categories of suffering for a minute and see how the cross addresses each of them. Um, uh, so, so the first one, let's, let's start with brokenness since we said that's kind of the meta category, the big one. And again, the catechism is helping us with this in paragraph chapter 272. We're going to get real cruciform language here. Um, it says in paragraph 272, faith in God, the Father Almighty can be put to the test by the experience of evil and suffering. God can sometimes be absent and incapable of stopping evil. But in the most mysterious way, God the Father has revealed His almighty power in the voluntary humiliation and resurrection of His Son, by which He conquered evil. Okay, I read that and I say, how so? (laughs) How does God conquer brokenness and evil through the voluntary, voluntary humiliation and then resurrection, uh, of his son. And there's lots of possible answers to it, but I just take a stab at it here. And one is my response to injustice, my response to evil happening in the world, my response to things being done to me unjustly is honestly to re- retaliate sometimes and to want to, you know, get even and and like you said, perpetuate uh, the brokenness. And the Catechism is teaching us, you know what, Jesus, he embraces those things, takes them into himself, and if you will, jumps into death with them, uh, and, and in a sense, kills them, <laughs> drags them down into death. And leaves them there and doesn't participate in human evil, doesn't participate in vengeance. He doesn't participate in perpetuating evil. When he, when brokenness is, is washing over him, what he does is, is he takes it and he, um, if you will, he plunges it down into death. He leaves it there. Now what God does with Christ is vindicates him. He says, now there is a good man. There is a man who responds to evil the way I want it dealt with. I want evil done away with. I don't want evil perpetuated, brokenness perpetuated in a human life. I want it eradicated in a human life. He, so Jesus refuses. To participate in evil and in that sense brings it to death. God vindicates the righteousness of his son and raises him up above it and then says, now, now you follow him. You follow him and you too in your own life and in the whole world will see God bring about the restoration of all things. The way we deal with brokenness in a cruciform way isn't, th- you know, by repaying evil for evil. It's by Bringing evil down to its proper place, burying it uh, with the cross, nailing it to the cross with Jesus, letting it die, letting it die in my life, not participating in it and letting God raise me with Christ up above it. So right. what that looks like dynamically in the life of each person and their particular suffering circumstances is going to look Different. If we're working with somebody, we might have to help them find what that means. But that's the general shape of of um, brokenness—a cruciform response to brokenness.
1: Yeah, yeah. The pioneer and perfecter of the faith, as you quoted earlier, you really got into the pioneer aspect of this. That, like, again, this mm-hmm. is the situation we simply live in. The world uh, is broken, and we're going to experience yes. evil from others. Uh, and in some sense. The better you are, the more the world's going to come for you. You know, we have in Christ. That's true. The best possible man who Mm -hmm. experiences the worst possible betrayal and is put Mm -hmm. to the worst possible death, uh, at least Mm -hmm. in theory, you know, one of the worst, um, maintains the best possible faith, maintains his Mm -hmm. fidelity to the very end. So we Mm -hmm. have kind of the extremes. On all counts, this was kind of the ultimate. A testing of the theory here. And Christ is the proof of concept that what is, how, what happens to that man in that circumstance if he's faithful? Mm -hmm. Well, we have resurrection. And so we don't, we probably won't experience the cross in that exact shape in our particular life, not the same betrayal, not the same time period, not the same kinds of afflictions. But every one of us looking to that example, again, have this opportunity to say, okay, well, Christ showed me the way, he pioneered it, he showed what happens when we persevere through uh, and carry the cross.
0: Exactly right, exactly right. And so so that brokenness, in a sense, is put to death at the cross through the obedience of the Son, um, he's not jumping down into the world of humanity and making it worse. Um, and he, he puts it away. He nails it to the cross. He, he brings it down to death and leaves it there. And, you know, baptism then signifies our solidarity with Jesus who's doing that. Like, and I'm going to let him start in my life. I'm going to let him put away the death dealing, death working things that I have in my own life in the waters of baptism, come up new and follow Jesus as a, a cruciform disciple. Um, my whole life. And that's going to be uh, a cycle and, and an evolving process. But the cross is always there to show me and to warn me and say, don't participate in the brokenness. You, you'll per- perpetuate it if you do. It has to die. The brokenness has to die and God will vindicate and God will raise you up. And that's the scary part. It really is the scary part. Um, will you really, God, will you really vindicate me? Will you, will you really, uh, raise me from the dead? You know, will you really bring me up? Cause I, if you don't, I might have to take care of myself. And you know, my wife and I were, we're reading through the Old Testament right now together and we're reading in the book of Numbers and we got to that section in Numbers where the people are grumbling and God says, that's it. I'm not taking you in. Your kids will go in, but you're all going to die in the, in the wilderness. And before that, that, um, sort of, uh, sentence is pronounced on them, they say, well, let's go back to Egypt. Get a captain to take us back to our old way. They don't want to go forward with God. So, so they want to go back without God. And God says, I'm not taking you into the land. Well, as soon as God says, I'm not taking you to the land, they say, well, let's go into the land then. And then Moses says, God said you're not going. Well, let's go do it anyway. And then they get smashed, right? Well, what, and we were talking this morning. What's the common denominator in both scenarios? Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go take the land. The common denominator is they left God out of both things. <laughs> right. Let's go back to Egypt without God. We're, we're done with him. And then God says, you're stuck here. And they say, well, then let's go forward without God. Right. And it's such a picture of, of human life, and it perpetuates the brokenness. The cross, then, is Jesus saying, let's do everything that God says, God's way. But what if you yeah. die? Uh-huh, uh-huh. The cross says, yeah, yeah, you, you might. But God will raise you up. God will raise you up and uh, and and Jesus if you if you will back to the theme of faith then doesn't break faith with God even when he knows it's going to cost him his life and because he won't break faith with God God vindicates him and raises him up above the brokenness of the world and in fact seats him at his right hand gives him the name above all names and turns the whole world over to him pretty good pretty good <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, and so in some sense, this middle category of the of sin, right? Sin, all sin. One way we can put it is that mm-hmm. all sin is a um, is just a way to deal with suffering apart from God, right? Right. I'm, I'm, right. Here's how I'm going to respond to the suffering, the difficulty. I'm going to try to grasp for myself some fulfillment other than God, or I'm going to flee away mm-hmm. from the difficulty to try to find my own escape, my own comfort, my own safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, the common denominator is they're both ways of trying to avoid the cross. In other words, exactly the suffering with God, right?
0: Exactly. How can I do, how can I do whatever I'm going to do without God? And, and that's the danger that that's the, that's the brokenness. And so those two other categories that we talked about faithfulness and sinfulness in a sense can quickly be wrapped up in what we said about brokenness. Um, and that is, you know, in the cross, then, Jesus is dealing, well, first of all, with suffering because of faithfulness, right? Um, Jesus is a victim of the, you know, the actions of others, of the sinful actions, the murderous actions, the betrayals, and the human um, evil that was done to him unjustly. Even Pilate said, I find no fault with this man. I find no fault with this man. Pronounces him innocent multiple times and then has him crucified. Of course, we, I like to say God reverses the death sentence after it's carried out and pronounces him not guilty. Um, and, and, uh, is, is essentially wipes away everything and vindicates him. So, so suffering then because of faithfulness. What what's the cruciform response to that? <laughs> More faithfulness. <laughs> More it's it the way of Jesus. Like at what point Jesus are you going to stop? Like at any moment are you going to say, "Oh, nope, I'm done. I'm done being faithful." And this is what people are doing to Jesus while he, by the way, is being crucified. Well, you say yeah. you're the son of God, you know, come down off the cross. He saved others. He can't save yeah. himself. All of these words and maybe even what was at work in, in Jesus as he's processing the horrendous pain is this. Maybe I mean, should, should I stop? Can I go through with this? Um, so the answer is more faithfulness. You want to jump in there though. Well, I, I was thinking back about that passage from First Peter,
1: First uh, Peter mm-hmm. chapter four, uh, verse twelve—the first line that you read earlier in our discussion. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal exactly. which comes upon you to prove you, as though something strange were happening to you. I've been thinking a lot uh, lately about how we can intellectually sort of make sense. We can we can put this on paper, like, okay, well, you know, if I if I am gonna experience suffering, it's part of life. I can despair, or I can trust God. And if I trust God, there's resurrection. It all makes sense on paper, but then when we experience the suffering, <laughs> the suffering, you know, uh, uh, connected to our, our trying to be faithful, we're surprised by it sometimes. Um, and suddenly, what makes sense on paper is meeting with our actual fleshly expectations. You know, it, it mm-hmm. sort of it's in our head, but it's not in our heart yet. Our our spirit, mm-hmm. our passions, our will we find that well in many ways we're still broken even though we can kind of see the logic of it and so we're often taken aback and that's where this additional uh, suffering has to be born so that we can be purified like it can kind of be head knowledge but it's when we're actually in the midst of suffering that then we have to make the choice to continue for that 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 uh, faithfulness to be proved and again it's using this this term what is it? It, it like like proving the iron you know it has to be hammered out it ha- or the the bread has to rise like it, for it to be completed, for it to be matured, it has to kind of go through this fiery ordeal. Um, and That's it's right. going to feel, uh, it's going to surprise us a bit. It's going to feel strange uh, because. Again, it makes make sense in our head, but our feelings are reflective of the whole the whole of our being, which is still has these levels of brokenness, and so we shouldn't yes. be surprised by our surprise. <laughs> like we should expect to be taken off off guard because that's just the effect of our being still uh, broken in some ways.
0: Yeah, in some ways, we could say, uh, like we we could look around at our life and say, "Have I suffered today? No. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. How surprising!" <laughs> Uh, <laughs> how surprising. Because it is so common, you know, to human experience. I, and I'm thankful, by the way, for every day that I that I don't go through excruciating, which is um, uh, out of the cross, by the way, is what those two words are together, excrucia. Wow. Uh, from uh, the excruciating pain in, in life. I'm, I'm glad for every moment that I don't go through that. I don't wish for it. But the, um, but the answer, the question is, well, what do I do? When it happens. Right. And this so the second category, like you know, like we've been saying, Jesus then keeps faith with God. He keeps faith with his mission, with his divine vocation and who he is and what he's supposed to be. And he's gonna leave it to God uh, to raise him up. If he has to die, he's gonna leave it all to God. And in fact, those are the dying words of Jesus Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Uh it's it's the utter abandonment to God's will, which is what we said at the very beginning, the meaning of the cross with respect to discipleship. It is absolute obedience to God, even if that requires me to, to experience death. And the last one then is the other way. The first is the faithfulness I'm suffering because I'm being faithful to God. The second one is I'm suffering because I haven't been. And Peter says in his uh, exhortation to the beloved, um, that might be why you're suffering. You might be suffering because you've done something you shouldn't do. Woe to you if you do, you know, it's bad for you if you do. Well, okay. What's the cruciform solution to that? Well, it's go back to the cross. You know, get back to Jesus, um, which doesn't mean the suffering is going to go away. It, 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 but it just means that you're going to reverse course. So maybe the final idea we could we could cover would be that last category of how to respond in a cruciform way uh, to suffering that's brought about because of sinfulness, and uh, and the answer to that is is more cross, right? It's faithfulness um, because. You know, as Peter said, um, we might be suffering because we've done the wrong thing. And the answer isn't to despair. The answer isn't to run from God like the Israelites I was just talking about. Well, let's, let's go ahead without God then. No, no, be cruciform about it. Go to God. Be like Jesus. Uh, go God's way now. Embrace the cross, back to the cross with you. Um, f- pick up your cross now. It's, a, it's never too late to do that. If you're going to go after Jesus, then go after him, pick up your cross and follow him. And I would say that, you know, in very practical terms, especially if you're a Catholic, um, the way to return to faithfulness in the face of faithlessness is through the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of, of penance and um, confession. And, uh, you know, I, I might say, uh, you know, in a lighthearted way, find a priest quick (laughs) and get back, get back to Jesus and get back to the cross. But it's really true and not to make light of it. We need to, um, get real with what we've done and go and talk to the Lord about it, uh, in, in a way that brings about real change, real healing, real reconciliation. And then embrace the cross and go forward with faithfulness, allegiance, loyalty. Don't break faith with God. Keep following Jesus, especially in those cases where my suffering may have been brought about because I've done something I shouldn't have done.
1: Right, yeah. So we leave the cross. We leave the way given to us, the responsibility, the vocation, the mission, calling which is a cross if there, there's some suffering some difficulty involved we we sin by fleeing from that cross and in doing so we create a new cross but in the mystery and mercy of god we create a new oppor- well he creates a new opportunity that uh as soon as we stop and we wish to return well we we have a new cross that repentance is a cross saying sorry is a cross you know accepting the consequences of our sin is a new cross but as a cross, mm-hmm. when we voluntarily pick it up in faithfulness and carry it, new life comes about. And so, the very best thing to do in response to the suffering caused by your own sin is pick it up, uh, accept the consequences, accept the cross. Because the moment you do yes. that, that cross, that voluntary, voluntarily born suffering also begins to produce fruit, begins to produce, you know, bring about that healing, that, uh, that grace in your life
0: yeah amen the answer is always more jesus more cross no matter what if i'm suffering because of brokenness if i'm suffering because of faithfulness or if i'm suffering because of sinfulness the answer is never let go of the cross but always cling to the cross embrace the cross go to the cross pick up the cross run to the cross very good
1: well thanks kenny uh gosh Great discussion. I hope the Thank you. Hope those who've been listening and following along have got uh, some good inspiration out of this discussion. We'd love to hear what you what you think. Have you been following along? What are what are some pieces some pieces that we've missed? What are some verses that that uh, you'd like to share that you know that help you to understand this mystery of the cross? We'd love to hear that. You know, respond in the comments here on YouTube or if you're part of the online community at the Coming Home Network, let us know what you think. We'd love to continue this discussion on the nature of. Discipleship as a, a cruciform thing uh, with you. So, thanks again, Kenny, for leading this discussion. Appreciate it. Thank
0: you, John Mark,
1: and thank you all for listening. As I, again, as I always say, the Coming Home Network uh, is your network. Uh, if you are someone who's who's thinking about becoming Catholic, if you're a new convert, if you're someone from uh, who's just asking questions about the Catholic faith, uh, we're here to walk with you. We're here to answer those questions as best we can. But more than that, we're here to carry the cross with you. And so um, we invite you to check out the Coming Home Network at chnetwork.org. There are resources, newsletter, lots of ways to stay connected. Uh, Most importantly is that online community that I mentioned where we can try to carry that cross together and encourage one another along that way. So thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. God bless.